Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Sem Says Podcast, the podcast where seminarians say what's said at the Sem. I'm your host, Alex Brown. I'm Nikolai Berlinski. And I'm Ben Speranza. I was going to go back to the fake name bit from episode one. Well, if you wanted that, you should have said something. I was, okay. Uh, well, today we're gathered together because Easter's coming and the goose is getting fat. Please put a penny in the old man's hat. I think you have the holiday a little confused. Well, why don't you explain it to me? What is... <laughs> yeah, that sounded so aggressive. Oh, my gosh. It could have been a nice segue, but it wasn't so aggressive. Come on. Tell me about it. <laughs> nah, seriously. So if I am confused, that means that other people are confused as well. Today, we're going to clear up that confusion and talk about the Triduum. That's right. So the sacred Triduum are the days leading up to Easter Sunday. So it's not just Lent, 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 Lent. Oh, it's Easter here. Uh, but we have the days of Holy Week in which we celebrate the sacred triduum of the church. Well said, Nikolai. Well said. Ben, what does the triduum mean to you? It's a weird way to ask it. The, the church has a definition. <laughs> ben, <laughs> what, is, <laughs> what is the definition of the triduum? Do, 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 I don't do, want to do. say anything that's... Incorrect. Well, according to this definition, the Isha Triduum is the summit of the liturgical year. From the evening of Holy Thursday to the evening of Easter Sunday, though chronologically three days, they are liturgically one day, unfolding for us the unity of Christ's Paschal mystery. The single celebration of the Triduum marks the end of the Lenten season and leads to the Mass of the Resurrection of the Lord at the Easter Vigil. The liturgical services that take place during the Triduum are the Mass of the Lord's Supper, Good Friday of the Lord's Passion, and the Mass of the Resurrection of the Lord. For more information... Excellent. <laughs> okay. All right. Distilling it from the USCCP. Distilling that definition down, the crux of it is the Mass of the Lord's Supper on Holy Thursday, the services on Good Friday, and the Resurrection of our Lord celebrated on the Easter Vigil on Holy Saturday, Easter Sunday. So, in other words, the days leading up to Easter, the Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Right. We'll go by those days one by one. So, we're getting things started. It is Holy Thursday. It is the day that the Triduum starts. What happens? Right. So, Holy Thursday is honestly one of my favorite celebrations of Mass of the whole year. Uh, it always was growing up because my parish, we would have the tradition of washing of the feet. So usually would be 12 of the men, Knights of Columbus. Um, 12 Knights of Columbus would be asked to stand in the place of the, the, the apostles in this situation, and my pastor would be in the place of Jesus. Um, so during this, this rite within Mass, he would take off the vestments of the priest, washes the feet of the apostles. So in a way it shows his profound humility and service, and it is also supposed to represent, I believe, ordination, that he is like the priest of Levi in the Old Testament whose shins or legs were washed when they were chosen to be priests. So did Christ wash the feet of his apostles. It's not the symbolic ordination of the Twelve Apostles. It is the ordination of the Twelve Apostles. Right. Well, um, just that in this right in Mass, the Knights of Columbus aren't being ordained. Right. Um, that's, oh. a, that's the symbol. Right. right. Well, that's the, the importance of Holy Thursday is that we yeah. take the institution, the priesthood. End of the Holy Eucharist. Yeah. End of the Holy Eucharist. Yeah. 
but I think it's it's always one of the most awesome events. Hopefully, other people have had this similar experience. We always had the candle lit uh, procession afterwards. So at the end of mass, the Eucharist would be in the ciborium, not in the monstrance, um, but we would process with just candlelight around the block and come back to the altar of repose. Our, our Lord and the Blessed Sacrament would be placed in the altar of repose and we'd have some time of silent adoration. But the main tabernacle of the church was then empty, which is in preparation for his arrest and, and Good Friday. I mean, for us, for myself as a Philly seminarian, um, I go every Triduum Holy Thursday to our cathedral, our basilica, and we celebrate the Mass of the Lord's Supper there. And our tradition is the archbishop, who generally celebrates it. He washes the feet of 12 new seminarians that year. Hmm. Usually it's their first year. It's kind of a nice way of reminding them where they will one day end up, God willing. Hmm. Um, It's also a nice gesture of our archbishop. Hmm. He doesn't have to do that. He could pick anyone. Right. Did you get your your feet washed by the archbishop? I did. That's awesome. (laughs) I was... Wonderful. We got to, we moved a bench. We all sat on the bench. As we were sitting on that bench, he washed our feet. Now, now walk me through a little bit of the of the details here. Did you make sure your feet were clean before you went to Mass that night? Or did you kind of just well, say, you know? Absolutely not. <laughs> well, I mean, I showered that day, but like, the point of washing someone's foot is to keep it, is to get it clean, not to not get it clean okay all okay. right the nice thing too is uh at least when i had my foot washed is a warm day that day mm-hmm. and the water was cold so it was very refreshing <laughs> all right very good very good <laughs> that's awesome now we've alluded to this but i'm going to say explicitly the triduum is supposed to reenact or recall all of the events of passion week Right, so we're going to start with the Lord's Supper, the institution of the priesthood. Then in the gospel, after Christ institutes the Blessed Sacrament and washes his disciples' feet, he goes to the Mount of Olives where he prays in the garden um, following his arrest, his trial, his sentencing to death, the road to Calvary, Christ's passion, death, resurrection. Um, We're going to kind of walk through all of those actions liturgically throughout the Triduum. So Holy Thursday, institution of the Eucharist. Um, like Nikolai said, the Eucharist is taken from the uh, from the tabernacle, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, symbolizing how Christ is in a certain way uh, separated from his people through his death. But now we're going to walk through Good Friday. And so how are we with the Lord through his passion on Good Friday? Mm-hmm. So Good Friday is the only day of the year on which the church does not celebrate mass. So every other day of the year, we have mass, you know, whether it's just a normal day in ordinary time, it's a a day where we celebrate the saint or a feast day or a solemnity. Good Friday is different. We do not celebrate mass on that day because this is the day that that our Lord has suffered and died. So usually, in, in my experience, what has happened is around 12 noon, we'll do the stations of the cross. Um, so we walk through the, the 14 stations of our Lord's passion and death. And then at 3 o'clock, um, my parish would have the, the service in which we read our Lord's Passion. 
we have a lot of very solemn intentions that we read, and then there is communion, but it's communion that was consecrated the day before on Holy Thursday. So there's no celebration of Mass in which the priest offers the, the bread and wine and is consecrated into our Lord's body and blood. It is similar to how Mass sometimes happens, but without the liturgy of the Eucharist, um, and instead with, with this extra focus on the Passion narrative uh, and the Passion event in which, which we are recalling. But when we say that we recall something in the liturgy, it's not just that we think about it and remember it, but it's being made present through our celebration of that event. I believe there's a word for that, Nikolai. Ooh, what would that be? I believe it's anamnesis. Anamnesis? Sure. There you go. <laughs> Is that how you pronounce it? I think that's how uh, Father Mack will pronounce it for us. Anam- anamnesis. Anamnesis. Isn't that when you can't remember things? No, that's amnesia. The opposite. Anamnesia? No. <laughs> amnesia is when you can't remember something. Uh-huh. is when you profoundly remember something. <laughs> okay. Right you are. Yeah. Have you had similar experiences with Good Friday? Yes, sort of. The difference being we don't have our station of the cross at noon. Mm-hmm. Um, we still have our service at 3. Mm-hmm. Um, but then at least in my parish, 7 o'clock that night, we put on uh, living stations. Hmm. Our uh, youth group, something they've done every year. I've been part of it. I had been part of it for many years. I played different roles, a soldier, Jesus, hmm. those two. That's awesome. Quite a diverse role. Yes. That's funny. I remember going to living stations like one time, but my parish is kind of smaller in North Carolina, so they never put on living stations. But I think I remember going somewhere else for it once. I know uh, at least our parishioners really appreciate it. They find it. Helps them to reflect a bit more than just, I guess, going about the stations. It makes it feel more alive. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa. All right. Um, my summer assignment parish was a parish that went all out for living stations. And I was there over the summer, obviously, so I didn't see it. But I was doing some work in the attic and found that the previous pastor purchased pretty intense Roman armor with the hel- like metal helmets and the breastplate and all that wow so i got out of the box and i put some of it on you're Uh, telling me you have all this armor and you don't use it (laughs) except for living stations pretty much yeah that's neat though i i've always found like it's really interesting how different places have those different traditions like living stations that a lot of different places can do differently but they all still function in the same way of, of drawing us into that mystery of of our lord's passion so Good Friday, a day of traditional reflection, penance. And fasting. And fasting. Oh, that's right, yeah. And abstinence. Yeah. There's a difference between fasting and abstinence, obviously. Sure. Fasting nope. is when you don't eat meals. Abstinence is when you don't eat meat. Or specific food. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a day to reflect on what Christ has gone through and what Christ has done for us, truly mm-hmm. reflecting on the sacrifice without it becoming commonplace or trite. Mm. But that carries on through the morning of Holy Saturday. The evening of Holy Saturday is traditionally the Easter vigil when Easter proper is 
truly being celebrated. Right. Yep. So what is the Easter Vigil? Have both of you been to the Easter Vigil before? Yes. yes. Okay. Yeah. So I had only gone for the first time, I think, once I had entered seminary. I'd always gone to Easter Sunday, you know, whatever, 10 o'clock mass, and, and then the church is already bright, and there's flowers, and Easter has already started in, in a sense. At the Easter Vigil Mass, though, is the first Mass of Easter. It's usually like maybe 7, maybe 8 p.m. Saturday night. So it starts outside of the church, pretty much to the whole congregation who's able to. starts outside, whether it's in front of the church, in the parking lot, something like that. And we have a little bonfire. So we start with a little fire. Usually, um, in, my, in my experience, the Knights of Columbus would set it up. They'd get some basic wood and stuff and would use the old holy oils, so the, the oil from last year of sacred chrism or anointing the sick was put on top of the wood, and then any linens that needed to get burned from the church, so maybe some purificators that had holes in them, they'd burn those. And that's the Easter fire. So we start with this big fire of burning the, the old holy oils. We start around the fire. There's a rite in which we recall the coming of the light from the darkness. So in the Gospel of John, uh, he uses that imagery of a light in the darkness or to talk about the coming of Christ into the world. And so this Easter fire, we have the light of Christ. Uh, we have the new Easter candle. Um, so we take from that fire, light the candle, use it also to light the incense that we'll use at Mass, and we process into the church in total darkness, except for the light on that Easter candle. So if it's the deacon who's processing with the candle or perhaps a priest or a different server, um, as they walk into the church, we chant Lumen Christi, the light of Christ. So the light of Christ is now coming into the darkness of this church. Church, which is empty, except for maybe if, you know, there's an older person or handicapped person who, who has to be in there. It's an empty church, totally dark. The light of Christ comes in, and then the whole congregation fills in behind. So we're lit up just by the light of Christ. Uh, and as we begin Mass, everything stays dark except for those candle lights until we get to the Gloria. Once we get to the point of Mass where we have the Gloria, then all the lights are supposed to come on, and oftentimes we ring the bells. Um, so we'll have bells ringing as the Gloria goes, and it's really this time where we celebrate with exultation the coming of Christ from the grave, uh, his resurrection. Then the reason it's also so special in the heart of the church is because as the liturgy will continue, we'll have initiation okay. of those who are outside of the church or who aren't in full communion with the church and seeking seeking initiation mm -hmm. into the church will be either baptized and confirmed, or if they're already baptized in another faith, they will be confirmed and fully initiated to the church. Right. Uh, and then they'll also obviously make their first Holy Communion at mm -hmm. that time. Yeah. Now, have you, both of you, sat through the the full readings, amount of readings of an Easter vigil? No. No? There are supposed to be seven readings at an Easter vigil. Um, some of them are optional. I think mm -hmm. my parish has only ever done five. Oh, okay. I think we got close last year. <laughs> I don't remember if <laughs> got we... Got close? What does that mean? <laughs> well, so between each reading, there is a, uh, a song. Yep. And I don't remember if we did every reading, but skip some psalms or did every psalm but skip some readings hmm. um, but that's the closest i've ever seen gotcha yeah 
it definitely takes a while. I've I've experienced where we do all. So it's seven readings. It starts with Genesis with creation. So we have that reading, and then the reader sits down. The psalmist comes up and reads the responsorial psalm, and it goes back and forth like that seven times. Um, and then after that, then we have. Uh, is there a New Testament reading? New Testament. Okay. And after that, there's a New Testament reading, and then the Holy Gospel. Um, so the Holy Gospel is of the resurrection of the Lord. And at this point, it feels like Easter, I guess. And maybe it takes about 45 minutes or so to get through all, all of these readings. It's it's still beautiful, in a way, to, to hear all these readings, even though it's like, oh, it's so long. Why is Mass taking so long? Like, well, we're telling the story of, of our salvation here. Like, that's just—it's just awesome when you, when you really sit and think about it. And then when we have the, the gospel reading of the resurrection, it's just, it feels like, okay, Easter is here. Our Lord is risen. Like, this is, this is it. This is our faith. It's so wonderful, I think. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good point. I'm just kind of reflecting on my experience of, of Holy Saturday. And um, while I had gone a few times before entering seminary, um, I think the first time I was... Uh, maybe 14, 15, my uncle was getting initiated into the church. Hmm. Um, and at that point, I didn't really understand what, what was happening. I didn't, I guess, appreciate it. Um, the most exciting thing that happened that I recall is my sister's hair caught on fire from one of the candles. <laughs> nice. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It was only slightly on fire. Like, it was just a mi- mild burn, but I remember it <laughs> happening. It's never as much on fire as the initial story leads you to believe. Her entire head was engulfed. <laughs> oh, no. That's not true. <laughs> she looked like Hades, ironically. All right, so your uncle entered into the church. Right, your yeah. his sister's hair caught on fire. Yeah, that was my first experience with Holy Saturday that I recall. And then as I got older, I became a sacristan for my parish. Hmm. And I had to be on for one Holy Saturday. Um, so I was there for the Mass. I didn't really mm-hmm. attend the Mass because I had to do a lot of background things, make sure the lights were on at the right time, mm. and making sure the mics were working. Make sure that no one's hair caught on fire? Making sure no one's hair caught on fire, again. Mm. So I was kind of busy doing that. I didn't really get a chance to appreciate all that which was mm. happening. So it really wasn't until I entered seminary that I got the opportunity to, as a seminary, and be part of the Holy Saturday mass mm-hmm. and then really get a get a real appreciation for it mm. i will say being a sacristan for that is got to be the most stressful thing because you have to make sure like okay we need like water to put in the holy water fonts we need like the baptismal font to be full of like not blessed water yet we need to get the candle we need to get the little follower that sits on top of the candle we need like lighters we need incense so oh, we got we need a little shell to do the baptisms we need oil oh timing yeah was so important i had to make sure all the doors were open at the right time because mm. if they weren't people couldn't get in <laughs> that's or a problem out. that doesn't sound particularly unique to holy saturday all right <laughs> what do you know wise guy have you been a sacristan yes <laughs> were you here for um the seminary holy week last year i was how did that go so for context last year when we had covid and everybody had to go home from the seminary a a handful of guys stayed at the seminary and for the first time in forever they celebrated the sacred triduum in our chapel at the seminary 
Yeah, it was, as you had said, it hadn't happened in years, decades, centuries even, perhaps. <laughs> it may have happened once before. I think Father Collins gave us a year. It was, okay. But yeah, it really hadn't happened. Honestly, truly a blessing because there weren't a huge number of us here. So in some mm-hmm. sense, it was rather stressful because... Mm. I was the only sacristan. We had one MC. We had a small group of guys mm-hmm. uh, for the choir, which honestly didn't leave too many people just to be part of a congregation. Mm-hmm. But even with all that, I think it turned out very nice. We were able to use our big chapel, St. Martin's, mm-hmm. um, for all the liturgies. Truly a blessing. Anything else you want to... Uh... I want to say, see, the Good Friday or Palm Sunday. Our listeners can correct me. Mm-hmm. There's the option to chant the gospel. Mm -hmm. And as you may recall, the gospel is the story of the passion. Right. Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday. Mm -hmm. Well, and Good Friday. And we had enough priests here to take each part who were willing and able to sing. Mm -hmm. It was the most beautiful thing I've ever heard. (laughs) It it was incredible. It took forever, but it was incredible. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's really nice. That's awesome. Did anybody chant the Exaltet? As a matter of fact, they did. The Exaltet is a very memorable part of the Easter Vigil. Um, it's a very long chant, kind of like what Nikolai was saying, going through salvation history. And it's very famous for having the following line. It reads, This is the night that even now throughout the world sets Christian believers apart from worldly vices and from the gloom of sin, leading them to grace and joining them to this holy one's. This is the night when Christ broke the prison bars of death and rose victorious from the underworld. Our birth would have been no gain, and we would not have been redeemed. O wonder of your humble care for us, O love, O charity beyond all telling, to ransom a slave you gave away your son, O truly necessary sin of Adam, destroyed completely by the death of Christ, O happy fault that earned for us so great a redeemer. O truly blessed night, worthy alone to know the time and hour when Christ rose from the underworld, and so on and so on. It's very uh, striking to think that uh, the church gives us this this language. It's very striking to think that the gift of Christ is so powerful and profound that the fall which haunts us all is just wiped away and and made glorious. Mm. Well, the fall isn't made glorious, but, but we are made glorious through this relationship with the Christ. And it's really striking, too, the uh, the line, Oh, happy fall. Because as you said, like, while at first glance the fall seems like a terrible thing, it, you know, broke our relationship with God in many ways. And yet, without that fall, we wouldn't have had our Savior, Jesus, which, through him, restored everything that we lost. Dare I say, even fulfilled things which even at the beginning weren't fulfilled. We were incomplete. So it was a necessary fall for us to have our Savior to truly fulfill us and our relationship with God and show us how, what that's really supposed to look like. Right, yeah. The Exalted is always, it's so beautiful. There's so much richness and depth to it. I definitely encourage our listeners to uh, to look up the Exultet. Maybe you haven't really listened to the words changed, or maybe you have, but just to take that time to reflect on it, if you get to hear it this Easter, 
I definitely encourage you to, to take that time and, and listen and say, wow, what's really being said here about your salvation, my salvation, and what has Christ Jesus done for us through his resurrection? And if you don't have time to read it, Alex is actually going to chant it right now for all of you. Wasn't that great, everyone? <laughs> <laughs> Let's give him a round of applause. I think today we've talked about the Triduum. Obviously, we talked about Holy Thursday, Good Friday, Holy Saturday, Easter Sunday, of course, the day where it all comes together, uh, where we get to sit back and rejoice in the Lord's resurrection and worship him as we are meant to. It's a really, truly special time. I wish all of our listeners a blessed Triduum. I don't think we can do anything more than leave you with the thought and anticipation of the resurrected Lord. So I think we'll cut the episode a little bit short today. Sure. Have a happy Easter, and we're looking forward to speaking to you again soon. Ben, thanks for coming, sharing your reflections with us. Happy to be here. I'm Alex Brown. I'm Nikolai Berlinski. And I'm Ben Speranza, wishing you a happy and healthy Holy Week. And Easter. And Easter.